0: I'm Max Reaper, editor of Royals Review. Later on, we'll have David Lesky come on to discuss why he's ready to clean house at the front office. But joining us first to talk about cleaning house at the front office is Matthew Lamar. Matthew, how are you doing today? Oh, that was a smooth transition, and I've got my broom ready. <laughs> get the brooms ready, get the blowtorches, get everything ready, because we're ready to clean house. Also joining us today is Colin Jekyll. Colin, how are you doing, and are you uh, are you ready to sweep sweep out the front office as well? I'm doing well,
1: and yeah, I think it's about that time.
0: Yeah, we'll get into it here in just a minute, but, but you know, first, you know, the Royals—they fell to the bottom of baseball this week with a record of 16 and 33. That's worse than even the lowly Reds, who, who everyone thought was just the worst team ever uh, to begin the year. Uh, the Royals are on their fifth four-game losing streak this year. They have the fifth, fifth fewest runs scored per game and the fourth most runs allowed per game. So it's not really. The hitting or the pitching—that's in particular—that's bad. It's—they it's, both been bad, uh, and yet you know only the hitting coach has lost his job so far. Uh, they're near the bottom of the league in virtually every significant pitching category, and I, yeah, I think we've kind of reached a, a a a wall with the fan base this in particular this week. It seems like the fans have kind of had enough. And Matthew, I think you summarized what uh, I think a lot of the fan base feels uh, this week when you called for the for the Royals to clean house. Um, it was a really good article this week, um, and uh, I think you laid out the points really well. It's not a reactionary piece at all, where you just said, you know, I'm I'm tired of losing, get rid of everyone. Uh, it's it's it's. I think you really documented the uh, the reason for cleaning cleaning house really well. Uh, can you summarize a little bit for anyone that didn't read the piece? What led you to that conclusion? <laughs>
2: yeah so i I've, I've thought an awful lot about like what's the summary right just like if you have an elevator pitch right if you are in an elevator with the uh, the owner of the Kansas City run the Kansas City Royals which is a situation that I've actually been in before about five years ago the one time I got to go to a royals game I was literally in an elevator with the Royals owner so this is not theoretical this could happen to you. Um, so, so if you're in like the the elevator with John Sherman, what's you know what's your elevator elevator pitch? Um, and I think that ultimately, when it comes down to it, the front office is just not good at putting together consistent winners. Um, and I think this is really clear over the last 16 seasons. It's not that the front office is bad at everything. It's not that the front office is staffed by complete imbeciles. It's not that the front office is staffed by people who are super duper Christian and want to put, make it like a, a Christian league, which I've seen this sort of cons- conspiracy theory a little bit, like, you know, more and others in the office, you know, have have serious, you know, have faith, uh, but there are a lot of baseball players with sort of similar stories. I don't think they're unique here. I, you know, so it's not that it's, it's none of these things. It's just that like the Royals, under Dayton Moore, have not been able to put together winning baseball teams on a consistent basis, and that's really ultimately when it comes down to it. Now, why is that the case? There's a lot of reasons why that that's the case. Um, I think the primary reason why that why that's the case is that I think Dayton Moore tries to serve too many things and too many you know masters at the same time. Um, and what this means is it means he gets into situations where he overvalues his players because he believes in them too much. He gets into situations where he wants to keep players around even though that they should clearly go in order for them to get the value out of them. Um, it gets it puts him in situations where he's paying for players like we see with with Carlos Santana, where they're they're not good anymore, but he believes in them and and he's he he just sort of they can't get out of this this mindset of we believe in ourselves no matter what. Um, and I think that the Royals have done a lot of good things this this year, you know certainly they have done a lot of good things in the community, what with the with the urban baseball academy um I think if you've read Dayton Moore's comments at any point during um the lockout um it was a breath of fresh air, he clearly loves the game, you know, and the Royals have put together a really nice young uh, on the on the hitter side, they've put together a lot of really nice young prospects. Like if you if you look at a list like today, the Royals could have Bobby Witt Jr. is twenty one. They could have MJ Melendez and uh, Nick Prado, who are both twenty-three, um, as well as Vinny Pasquantino, uh, who is in the top one hundred per baseball uh, America now, uh, top hundred prospects. He's like sixty something if I if I saw it correctly. Um so they've got these 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 really, you know, high um, high ceiling prospects. They've even got some interesting guys like Kyle Isbel and Emmanuel Rivera who have shown enough at the major league level, I think, to continue getting at bats. Um, you know, they've got, you know, a wild card or two, you know, and Emmanuel, um, or excuse me, in, 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 uh, Edward Olivares. Um, and they've got some, you know, some, uh, players that they can trade, right? Like Andrew Benettoni should be a hot commodity at, at the uh, at the deadline. They, they So they have put together a kind of nice, nice core. But the problem is they're losing too much because they are just too beholden to their ideals. They can't see past it. They can't self-evaluate correctly. Um, I think that they just have so much faith in their process that when it's going wrong, it's not the process that's going wrong. It's something else that's going wrong. And we've seen that for the past 16 years, in varying reasons, that they're just so they're they're so so full of themselves, you know, for lack of a better term, that any decision that they make, they assume it's right, and there's almost nothing that they can that can really be, you know, that can prove them wrong. Um, And I I truly think that, like at this point, like they're firing of the hitting coach. That you know, uh, Terry Bradshaw was just kind of the you know the uh, scapegoat really i mean if they were really interested in improving the team um and if they really thought that there were some serious things that they can make uh or serious changes that they can make i think that for all for all of the reasons that they outlined for the hitting coach uh for replacing their hitting coach you could say the same thing about the pitching coach you know on preparedness you know, that, that sort of thing. That's all there and they haven't done it. So I, I just, I, they, I think that they think that everything they're doing is the correct thing. There's nothing that, that needs to be changed. And I just, that, that's, that's where we are. And that's why they've lost so much uh, over the past 16 years.
0: Colin, where are you at? Are you kind of in the same spot Matthew is? And, and what, what to you has been kind of the, the, biggest, I guess, maybe the last straw, if you are at the, at your uh, end of your patience with Dayton Moore in this, this administration?
1: Yeah, I think I'm on the same page as Matthew is. I you know, looking at Dayton Moore's tenure as a whole, he's had three winning seasons and they're of course it culminated with World Championship, which was amazing. But especially the past five years the rebuild, such as it is, just hasn't been going well. In retrospect, maybe he shouldn't have tried to go all in for it again in two thousand sixteen. And said trade off some guys, then get some prospects, then to kind of reboot this thing sooner. But you know everything that Matthew described was spot on, and the way I I think I've written a couple times um, that I don't fault the team for signing Carlos Santana to a two-year deal when they did, because they didn't have a lot. I, I think you know that was right right after Prado didn't have a great year in the minors and uh, Pasquantino, I don't think had really quite emerged just yet. So they didn't know what they had in him, but it does look worse uh, that they have kept playing Santana uh, the past season and a half when they could have dealt him to Boston for at least something and then this year, he's just at some cost. And I got to think, I have to think that Mike Matheny is only playing Santana because he's getting a directive from the front office to do that because they want Santana to heat up so they can recoup something for him. That's just, I mean, they're just hurting themselves in the future by doing that too because in no way, shape, or form is Santana going to be part of this team next year once his contract is up. So it would be the perfect time to get Prado, Pasquantino, somebody else, if they wanted to, at first base, get somebody those at bats. And the fact that uh, their stubbornness on doing that is harming the team. And I think, you know, I, I understand you don't want to pay somebody as much as they're paying Carlos Santana just to go away. But at this point, I think it's it just is a negative shine on the front office and the manager, that they're doing this. And they can, to me, I mean, the, the same could be said for um, playing Ryan O'Hearn as much as they are. I, I still don't quite understand that one because I don't think they're going to get any prospects for O'Hearn. Um, but the way they handled the Cal Eldred situation, um, it's just not looking good. And I don't think that this team really has a way out uh with their with the way they're constructed right now and that's you know du- uh directly is a reflection directly upon the front office
0: so let me push back a little bit I, and I think I'm I kind of at the same place you guys are I think it's 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 this you know date more you won a world series and and I don't think it was a fluke I think they did do a great job building that team and I think he, uh, you know, will be on the Royals Hall of Fame for that, and I think he deservedly so, and he has done a great job. But, look, like, uh, you know, every great player has a peak, and then they they, uh, you know, they end up losing their, their their skill a little bit. They lose a little zip on the fastball, and I think it's quite possible. Date Moore, um, you know, may be good. And he may be a great leader. Uh, I've read his book. He may be a great uh, – I think there's a lot of great leadership advice in there. Um, but, you know, as far as a baseball acumen, you know, it's possible the game is – has passed them by a little bit. Um, uh, I think, uh, you know, the way they've run the team lately suggests that they're not exactly the most cutting-edge franchise. Um, and so I think it's it's probably, you know, time to, to to go in a different direction. But just to push back a little bit, uh, Matthew, you talk about, you know, they've got a good young core here. They've got Bobby Wood Jr., who looks pretty good early on. MJ Melendez looks pretty good early on. Daniel Lynch has showed some signs. Kyle Isbell looks like he could be something. They've got Vinny Pascantino and Nick Prado, waiting in the wings, a couple other young prospects who could be something. Does Dayton Moore maybe deserve to kind of see this youth movement through a little bit more, at least until we see some of these guys in the big leagues or at least uh, established? Because we know, you know, prospects, they're not going to be great from, from day one, and, and we've only seen two months of Bobby Witt Jr., and uh, the pitching, you know, sometimes takes a year or two. Um, does Dayton, are, you know, if we if we were a clean house right now, are we maybe pulling the trigger a little too early before the the cake has has risen.
2: No, I don't think so. Be precisely because of what happened the last time the Royals had a good team, right? So they had Eric Hosmer, they had Mike Busakis, they had uh, Salvador Perez, they had Alex Gordon. Um, Alex Gordon's first great you know good year, great year. It will, was the first year that all those other guys um, debuted. Um, they had uh, I think I said Lorenzo Cain. Um, you know, Alcides Escobar. Um, they had the, the bullpen that they, they they home home the homegrown bullpen. Um, so they had all of those guys, right? They and um, they had all those guys, and they kind of you know a little bit of parallels to now. So they have this talent in there, and they were still losing a lot, and eventually they broke they broke through, right? Um, and uh, the Royals used a little bit of their minor league talent to acquire some major league talent to sort of you know um, you know get it moving a little bit. But the, the the reason why I don't think that it's this is too early to, to sort of pull the plug is that we've already seen this play out. So the Royals had a team that was good enough to make back-to-back World Series, and they couldn't even get a winning record after they did that. So they assembled all of this talent, and in the background there were these consistent and persistent issues. So the Royals were having issues with drafting and development. They had, I think it was four uh, top 10 picks in a, in a row that they had, and none of them panned out, right? You can't do that. So when 2015 happened, the Royals had nobody to sort of replace them. Um, again, they had the same sort of thing where they, they played favorites and they didn't recognize sunk cost. So they kept playing Omar Infante, even when he just he was a shell of himself. And there was a player called Whit Merrifield, who at the time was – probably you know the guy to go to and then they they didn't choose him he was doing really well and they went with someone else um and that was you know the wrong choice um these these same kind of things that happened um that are happening now were happening then already it's just that they assembled enough of a a good team and they had enough good luck and that's that's you know that's no diss on the royals every championship team gets good luck every team does right um the ones that lose uh in the playoffs they get some bad luck and you know that's that's okay um but the the point is that you got to be able to create teams that are good and have a wider window than just 2 years um if it takes you 8 years to be, rebuild then you get 2 or 3 years uh of a window and then it takes you another 8 years to rebuild That's just a really poor, uh, you know, that's just just poor baseball team management, right? We see teams like the Cleveland Guardians, we see the Minnesota Twins, and we see the Oakland Athletics and the Tampa Bay Rays. These teams are all much better um, in a long-term situation because their general managers uh, do the things well that Dayton Moore doesn't do. They move on players when they need to. They don't let... Uh, sentimentality you know seep into their um you know their operations and i know some people have said you know hey those teams don't have the the playoff ones that the royals do but something that i wrote in my article is that like that the royals are the ones without or with the world series runs and not the guardians and not the a's is is the baseball gods being mean to those teams right that's they should have had something that's just bad luck on their side. That has nothing to do with the Royals being somehow nebulously better than them. Those other teams just got unlucky. You know, the, Dayton Moore is not out there in the playoffs. You know, the Royals were, they were down in the eighth inning of the wild card game, a one game that they came back and won. Um, They probably lose that game most of the time. If you replay that game 100 times, you, they probably lose like 98 of them. But we got the one universe where they where they advanced. Um, and then also in 2015, you know, Carlos Correa made that error and the Royals managed to claw back and win. You know, if he makes that play, the Royals probably don't, you know, don't win that series. You know, these, these are games that the Royals were so close to getting bumped out of the playoffs as soon as they could. And they just barely squeaked by, and I think that we would be having a hugely different discussion if the Royals had lost both of those instances and they had, you know, no playoff series victories. Um, but I think that's a silly thing to, to you know, it's a silly hypothetical to think about because, you know, it's not the general manager's job to create championship champions necessarily. They can't do that. They no, no general manager can do that. They, they just can't. But what can the general manager do? They can create a team that has a chance to win a championship, right? And Dayton Moore has simply not given the Royals a chance in most of the years that he has been in charge of the team.
0: Yeah, that, you're kind of, kind of alluding, and I don't know if you saw the thread, but like Jeffrey Flanagan was tweeting out uh, on uh, Wednesday night, or Tuesday night, and, and then Jeffrey and I – We've chatted a few times, and he, you know, he, at least online, and he's very cordial. We, you know, very friendly guy. But uh, it, it, it's just such a pet peeve of mine to use a small market thing as, a, as an excuse. And yeah, the, the Twins' guardians raise. You're right; they haven't had postseason uh, uh, success. It, I don't deny that small being a small market, you face much different challenges, much more challenges than the Yankees or Red Sox. You're not going to be able to necessarily win every year the way the, yeah, the Yankees do, but. Like, it doesn't... There's no reason... What's stopping the Royals from being as good as the Guardians or A's or Rays on a regular basis? Like, the the argument that small market, uh, being a small market, hurts you, matters more to the A's, who win 85 games but can't get over the hump and have to solve their good players all the time, than the Royals, who are losing 100 games and don't have any good players that they want to retain. I mean, who? who what good player from even the championship run would they have retained that would make a difference right now? Eric Cosmer? I don't think you'd want that contract right now. Certainly wouldn't want Mike Moustakas or Lorenzo Cain right now. Uh, so the small market thing does not wash with me. I, 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 like I said, I, I know it's an issue, but it's not – it's not an, it's an issue more with getting from 85 wins to 100 wins, right? It's not an issue getting from 60 wins to 85 wins. And that's the big obstacle the Royals uh, face right now. They can't even get a team that's just – I just want a boringly normal team, right? I want to be – like. Uh, the Colorado Rockies are a mess of a franchise, and yet I almost envy them. I do envy them because they at least have years where they're like seventy-five to eighty-five wins, and it's like, well, that's you know, you, it's not natural in baseball to lose this many games this often. And yet the Royals have found a way. Colin, I think you know the Dayton Moore defenders, the few that there are. are like, oh, there's probably more than that, more. Uh, I think online tends to be more of the negative, Royals fans will say. I think there are probably still quite a few Dayton Moore defenders out there, and I think they would say, well, he won a championship. He won two pennants. He took a team that was the most dysfunctional franchise in baseball and turned them at least into a competitive baseball team. He could you know, he could do it again. The last time Royals review called for the firing of Dayton Moore, the Royals went on to win uh, a pennant. So uh, that was back in 2014 when Craig Brown, who ran the site back then, called for Dayton Moore to be fired. The team, like, won one went on a winning streak almost immediately after that. So what would you say for those that said, look, look, Dave Moore won a championship. He's kind of earned the right to see this through again.
1: I would say that they're incorrect, that 16 years is a heck of a long time to be leading an organization and that probably a fresh voice is needed, just like it was a good time for John Sherman to take over the franchise when he did. And speaking of those uh, small market teams, I mean, John Sherman was uh, kind of a minority owner of the Guardians from 2016 to right up until when he bought the Royals. And in 2016, when the Cubs won the World Series, they beat the Guardians in game seven of the World Series. The Guardians have gone to the World Series. They went in 95, they went in 97. I mean, this is all after the 94 strike. So that, uh, I think, was when the economics of baseball kind of shifted into big market versus small market. And Cleveland has consistently put out winners. They've consistently made the playoffs, and they've made more World Series appearances since that time than the Royals have. So I, I would say you need to look at Similar teams and similar markets and see how they're progressing and succeeding and compare that to the Royals and like like Matthew said while I don't think that the World Series win was a fluke I do think that these other small market teams not faring well in the playoffs is based a little bit on luck Um, and just not being able to uh, I mean the postseason is very much a crapshoot and it really you know, those two games, the wildfire game that they won against the A's and then the next year against the Astros, those victories really cemented Moore's place and it would we would uh I don't you know, Moore wouldn't be here without those wins. I I, I don't think. I think the World Series has bought him quite a bit of time, but man, sixteen years as the head of a front office, that's just that's a long time. I think it's time for a fresh start. I think um, maybe Moore himself could benefit from a fresh start if he wanted to go somewhere else, but it's, it's just time for a new voice. It's time for John Sherman to kind of utilize what he learned in Cleveland with Paul Dolan, bring in a trusted voice and kind of make, put his stamp on the team.
3: Well,
0: I think uh, you know, a lot of fans have clamored for this, and we'll see what John Sherman does. He has, he's been kind of tight-lipped. Matthew, do you expect Dave Morty fired here in the next year, or is his job pretty secure in your mind?
2: It's it's hard to tell, and I have to say that this is kind of the um, – maybe the most depressed <laughs> that I've been kind of as, as a Royals fan. Um, certainly in a long time – Probably not as depressed as 23rd, like halfway through 2013, when Dayton Moore had been on a job and the Royals had a losing record. And that was his like eighth or ninth season on the job. And, you know, that was probably the lowest point And that's, I think, if I remember correctly, you say it was 2014 when when we when uh, Craig Brown wrote that article, I think it was in the middle of 2013. Oh, you we'll, might be right. We'll, yeah, we'll have to see. Because, because at that, that yeah. point, the Royals hadn't had a winning season yeah. and the Royals weren't doing well at all. And they had a losing record in July. And that's when Moore said, there's no reason we can't win 15 of the next 20. <laughs> um, so I'd say that was the lowest point. But I will say that this is sort of uniquely frustrating because we have witnessed the Royals fall to basically what what is essentially rock bottom. Like, yes, the Royals can't get worse than this. But they can't really get worse than this. In that they're the worst team in baseball. Five years after being the second worst team in baseball, they could play worse than this, obviously. But they can't go down anymore. They can't be the thirty-first best team in baseball. But like they, they can't do that. Um, so they're, they're they they can not get any they can't get any worse from a standings perspective. Like that's the they just can't. They can get worse from a playing perspective, but they can't get worse from a standings perspective. And and what we've seen here. Is that the Royals have been bad enough in the last two weeks that the Royals could have decided to make some token changes and maybe call it Vinny two weeks ago, um, but they haven't. They they've done nothing. They they swapped out their hitting coach and they've sort of sat on their hands as they continue to lose, and they haven't really said a whole lot of anything. And there's been no movement and there's been no indication that there's going to be any changes. Um, and I think it's just really tricky for you know for those of us who've been you know. So, you know, sort of paying real, real attention to all of this for for your average fan who doesn't really know and just sees that the royals are bad again. I'm not sure if this is like, you know, as as bad, but like it the more information that you have, just the worse it 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 is, you know? And all of this is to say really that I don't know if the royals are going to do anything. You know, I think if they would have done something this year, they would have already done it, right? you can't get any worse than than where they are right now. It's an off day, right? Like it's a perfect time. We're recording this on an off day. It's a perfect time to, you know, maybe make a change or anything, but what's, what's happening Vinny and Nick, uh, Nick Prado are in the Omaha's lineup tonight. Um, You know, it's just the Royals seem set in their ways and they just seem there. There's no real, you know, it it just seems kind of hopeless. Right. Um, and that none of these really institutional issues are going to get solved. Now, I will say, depending on how the Royals end up, I think John Sherman may make a change at the end of the season. I think John Sherman probably is smart enough to know that making a change, like, in the middle of June to, like, to the front office would be a huge, you know, that that, that would be a huge... It would just, it would just be huge. I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. But it, it would be a very... Um, a very big and tumultuous thing to the month before the draft fire the guy who's in charge of baseball ops I think that there's a chance that John Sherman at the end of the year, depending on how the year ends up, that he just quietly says, you know, they, then you're out of here and then he has a whole offseason to put together a team and everything rather than just kind of, you know, firing someone in the middle of the season
0: um, Well, I'll say there's a precedent here, I mean, Dayton Moore was hired right before the draft
2: you know, this like, is true.
0: I, I didn't, you didn't do that draft, but I mean, it was kind. of it was kind of a weird timing, but you know, that was a million years ago under a different owner. So,
2: yeah, yeah. So, and and that didn't really super, you know, work out really great. I mean, they drafted Blue Coach There there. Other guys that they could could have drafted, um, and you know, maybe if if Dayton Warren had, had the whole offseason, he would have made a different choice. You know, <laughs> there there are there are all kinds of all kinds of things here, but. It's, it's not a good idea generally to make that big of a change just like the month before the draft. But then again, I mean, you see uh, NFL teams just absolutely firing coaches and, and people left and right before their draft, you know, or after the, you know.
0: So, I, I don't
2: know. It's,
0: it's it's frustrating. Yeah, I found the the, the Craig Brown piece, July 19, 2013, time for change, fire Dayton Moore. And you're right, like right after that, they went on to win like you know 50 of the next 20, and make a surprise run at the wild card. And of course, the next year they went on to uh, win the wild card. So uh, yeah, I, I mean it, it's 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 nine years later, and, and it feels like we're kind of saying the some of the same things. I mean, in a lot of ways, the process hasn't changed. I mean, he's kind of make. I mean, you wrote the article, and we talked about it a couple times on this podcast. They're making the same mistakes they've always made, and. <laughs> You know, a lot of the a lot of the things. You know, it's almost like the 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 run they made those years. I mean, I'm grateful for it. I'll always cherish those memories. I'm glad they won a title, but it did teach them. It kind of reinforced some of the bad lessons they have learned throughout the years, and they're still trying to do the same things. And it's like the game has changed, and you always constantly have to reinvent yourself. Like you know, Billy Bean's character says in Moneyball, "Adapt or die," and the Royals. Every everything you read about their their. Um, Development and it's good news. It's good that they're catching up, but it's like they're catching, trying to catch up with other teams. They're not setting the, the 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 market. They're not the cutting edge. No one's following the Royals and trying to do the Royals' way of things. They're trying to do the Giants' way of things or the Rays' way of things or you know uh, do what other teams have been doing for seven eight years now. Uh, and we really need a general manager and, and a and a front office that is kind of ahead of the curve. Um, I, so I I tend to agree. I don't think. John Sherman is going to be firing anyone. I, they just promoted J.J. Piccolo to general manager and Dayton Moore to club president. I don't think you do that with the intent you're going to fire him within the year. um And you know we'll see how this year turns out. I mean, I I don't know, Colin. Do you think do you expect the Royals to finish this year with the worst record in baseball, or do you think that they're with the young as young guys start to come up, they'll start playing some better baseball here?
1: Well, that's a great question. I hadn't really thought about whether they would actually finish with the first record. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm totally shocked that they're at this point uh, with which to begin, especially uh, one of you guys mentioned about uh, the horrible red starting. I think they were like 3-20, and and now they, they are uh, at least a little bit better than the Royals are. Uh, I, I'd say that the Royals probably, I don't know, I'll pick them to not finish with the worst record. And the majors, uh, hopefully they do start making, you know, at least a couple of moves and continue the infusion of youth. Um, I think, you know, I I do think who's ever in charge, probably Dayton Moore and J.J. Popolo will make some moves around the trade deadline that will open up a few more spots in the majors that they can uh, hand down to the guys like Prado and Pasquantino Get uh, Isabel and Oliveira some more bats, some more playing time. Um, so, considering that, and considering uh, you know, Brady Singer's been pitching really well. He was lights out in May, so hopefully that continues. Greggy's on the IL right now. When he returns, you know they have the They really had the potential suddenly of having four pretty good starting pitchers if uh, whatever ailment. I, I I can't recall why Greinke's on the IL right now, but if that that heals up, Keller gets a little bit more. Uh, if, if he starts pitching better, Lynch kind of rebounds, and Singer keeps where he is, that's a you know four good starters right there. So I I think that they will not finish in the cellar of the major league, and it, they should be. Uh, you know with with the young bats especially bobby witt jr and mj melinda guys who are already up now uh they're pretty exciting they're pretty fun to watch and i i think they'll they'll finish they'll finish uh better than they've started that that's the optimist in me and as far as you know whether dayton moore finishes this season i i imagine so but i'll, I'll be very curious to see what if anything happens um after July because the drafts in July this year, you know, the trade deadline, I, I think uh, with those back-to-back, there won't be any moves there. But uh, if there is if there is a move on that position or even manager, I think we're going to see that uh, come the start of August.
0: Yeah, I think this could be like a really interesting trade deadline, if, especially if Dave Moore does kind of feel like, his jobs in jeopardy or maybe he's just tired of losing like they, they, that actually could maybe spur a little more activity than we're just saying or he'll just continue being loyal and non-transactional let's take a break uh i'll talk with david lesky and then we'll come back with matthew and colin to wrap things
3: up most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like google meta and apple but some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the
1: product of a single person
3: with us what she's learned.
1: I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild.
3: Listen to our Solo Acts mini-series now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.
0: Well, joining me now is David Lesky. He writes, of course, at Royals Review, but you can also catch his free regular newsletter at Substack called Inside the Crown, which you should totally subscribe to if you're at all a Royals fan. David, thanks for uh, being on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, this week you wrote an article inside the crown titled enough where you said it was time to clean house. And we were just talking about Matthew Lamar and just coincidentally, he added an article the same day and we, I, you know, we didn't collaborate at all. It was just kind of funny that um, I think the fan base had kind of reached the point, a boiling point, And you both kind of had said kind of threw your arms up and said that this is untenable and it's time to move on. Uh, can you kind of, you know, we talked to Matthew a little bit about why he thought it was time for Dayton Moore to go, but can you, kind of summarize your argument about why you think it's time to move on from not just Dayton Moore, but also J.J. Piccolo and Mike Matheny.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I should say that I'm not as married to the idea of getting rid of J.J. I think that I, I see him as a package, uh, but I also could see a scenario where he thrives without Dayton. Um, but anyway, my you know, the, the thought process for me is, uh, you know, I, I've I've never – well, I shouldn't say never. I've often not agreed with Nathan Um and and you know sometimes I've been proven right, and sometimes he's been, and his his being proven right led to a World Series ring, so he wins. But um, I I think that most of the time there's there's a couple of things in, in play. One, I can at least see a lot of the arguments. They, um, they I don't agree with them, but I can see the thought process. And two. I didn't feel like he was doing something with his back against a wall. And over the last, I don't know, whatever it was, three weeks since they since they fired Terry Bradshaw, it feels like everything's been done defensively, um, a little bit, kind of, kind of talking down to people. Um, it's just a different feeling. And maybe I'm way off. Maybe I'm. Maybe it's not fair at all. But ever since he got in front of the media at Coffin Stadium the day they fired Bradshaw and was just so defiant about moving on from Cal Eldred, it was a pretty, I mean, it was a it was a really, like, tame question from Todd but I think it was Todd Liebel from 810, who just asked, if you're doing this with the offense, what about the pitching? And then it, just, it, it spiraled. Um, and then from there, you get these ridiculous claims. You know, the the idea that Vinny Pasquantino, they don't want him to join an offense and have to carry it. What? (laughs) Like, like that's just, what? Um, They they all talked about their scouts not believing that Prado and Pasquantino are ready when Alec Lewis wrote the article in the athletics and he's, he's written another one where he talked about the scouts believing that they are ready. And I've heard from a couple of scouts. Now, one of my, one of my biggest scout sources is, wildly optimistic. <laughs> so I mean there are times I'm like, well, hang on. He said this. Let me take that down fifteen percent. <laughs> and and but even but you know, even he's like, yeah, these these are big league bats right now. Um and so, you know, it makes me wonder what's going on in the scouting department. Are they are they throwing the scouting department under the bus? And then you know, the dumbest thing for me, <laughs> what set me over the edge was Ryan LeFever. Who who I mean, whether people realize it or not, they are in lockstep with the front office. Um, and when for the when he said for two straight days that the Royals were easing by Junior in by hitting him down in the lineup, I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> so I'm like, did, 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 did I miss those ten games? Was was that? Did that actually happen? Was, was the first ten games was that actually spring training? Because if it was, their record's even worse. So um, yeah, it was just a, kind of a combination of. All is are rarely not we're rarely agreeing, um, and then finally hitting a point where I'm like, I don't, I don't see how they can lead this team anymore because of the way they're acting.
0: Yeah, and I did, I, I agree. It was an extraordinarily defensive press conference a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and you're right. Like, just be upfront with us. Like, it's, if you don't think Vinny F- Pasquini is ready, not ready, just say he's not ready. You don't have to twist yourself into knots yeah. with these convoluted. Oh, he has to carry the offense. Like, just. Say he's not ready and leave it at that, and we'll be mad. But at least you're not. We don't feel like you're insulting us. Um, But I mean, rhetoric aside, I mean, as far as substance and process. So, you know, Dave Moore, he he's won a title, uh, which you know that's great, Uh, and he has put together you know a pretty good crop of young players. Now, whether it's good enough to get to the next level, you know, time time will tell. But has he earned the right or does he deserve at least to see this through a little bit to see where this process takes us? Or are you just kind of at the point where it's like, we just need a a new face.
3: See that, that's my struggle because I mean, Dayton Moore was in charge when overhauled the offensive development, right? I mean, he was the guy, whether it was his idea or not, he was in charge when that happened. So That's a good thing. I mean, they drafted, you know, if you ask, any anybody outside the organization in baseball, I, I would say every organization would salivate at the opportunity to get their hands on the Royals' pitching, which they may or may not develop in this organization. But there is not a there's not a person out there in baseball who wouldn't want to try because of just how talented they are. And so you look at that and you go, okay, well let's let's see what happens. Um, and that's the argument for this this whole front office to remain honestly but at the same time i mean we're in year five now of of a second rebuild which most general managers don't get two rebuilds um of course most don't win a world series there's that but i mean we're in year five and and it's it's not good (laughs) they have the worst record in baseball and you know that 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 that's tough to stomach when you when you look back at some other rebuilds and i like the blue jays for example after the 2016 season when they lost an alcs i think that year um i'm pretty sure yeah they yeah they did um they, they spent about three years rebuilding and then they came back and that 2020 was a weird year obviously but they made the playoffs and then they in most years would have made the playoffs last year with 91 wins and they're i think in a playoff position this year at this point um and that's three years. The Astros tore it down to the studs, <laughs> and they, they in year five, they made the playoffs. And if not, and I, I don't I don't say this to bash the Royals' accomplishment, but if not for Carlos Correa, one of the best defensive shortstops making an error, they may have won the World Series that year. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying they would have, but, you know, they, they, they very easily could have run that table. So, to get to this year five, when you've seen a couple other rebuilds recently, not at this spot, it yeah, gives you a lot of pause. And the other thing for me is it's it's partially the rhetoric, partially the results, but partially just the the steadfastness to stick with people who are clearly incompetent at their jobs. And and I I, I mean I rail I rail on Calder since like the hour after he was hired. Um, but I was I was willing to give it a shot. It's just it, it's obviously not working. I mean, it's just, it's so blatantly wrong that it, that, that makes me wonder, like, if, if you can't make that decision, what decision can you make? And that, that's kind of where I am.
0: You know, you you talked a little about, or I think you wrote a little bit uh, recently about John Sherman and his role in all this, and he's been kind of tight-lipped. He's been, you know, he made a couple comments to Vahe Gregorian uh, in an article last week, kind of diplomatically saying uh, they're not happy with results. Uh, and He said, "Quote: Well, patience is a relative term. You have to balance patience with having a sense of urgency to get better." Uh, he went on to say that the main thing is to not panic. Uh, where do you feel he is in all of this? Is he maybe more focused on getting the downtown stadium? And I know you're not—I know you're not exactly you know, buddies with John Sherman and calling him every night. But like, <laughs> you know, if you had to guess, like, where ownership is in all of this, um, where do you where do you think they come down?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I've been somebody to be very vaguely critical of him. Um, and I'm not entirely sure it's fair. I wrote today, um, I think, it was, I don't know, whatever day it was. The days run together. They don't matter anymore. <laughs> I, I, I wrote that if you look if you look at the history since he's been the owner, it maybe isn't completely fair to think that, oh, he's just sitting on his hands. I mean, the first year he had was, was 2020. I, I, don't, I don't think you can evaluate anything. On 2020. Um, (laughs) No offense to the Dodgers, but that World Series is, I I, I would celebrate it, but who knows what, you know, it's just a weird year. Um, Last year, I, I think you look at what the Royals, and outside of loyalty to, I mean, really Cal Eldred more than anything, I think you have to look at 2021 as a pretty successful year for the Royals. They got some of the young arms, the majors, they didn't do great, but they got there. The minor league offense was fantastic. They won the minors, which you can say is or isn't important, whatever. Um, and then they finished strong down the stretch against a good schedule. It wasn't like they were playing, you know, 30 games against the Tigers. It was, I mean, they had first place teams well against the Astros. They were well against the Mariners who were in the race. They played uh, well against the White Sox who won the division. I mean, they, they, they played well against the teams that they shouldn't play well against. So, I think you leave that season think, ha, with some good thoughts. You know, wondering, okay, the pitchers can take another step, the bats are going to start to arrive, all that. So I, I don't I don't think we really know what the ownership group is. And I think that's I think it's unfair to have expected them to do something after last season when when it was I I I'm generally positive. I think what we're going to find out, you know, we're we're in early June. So six months from now, I think we're going to have a much better answer because I I imagine this will turn around somewhat. I mean, I don't think they're going to be a 110 lost team, but it's hard to see this turning around to a point that you can say this, any of these guys definitively deserve to keep their jobs. And and so something's going to have to give. Um, I don't know that it will give in season, but I think that, somewhere between October 6th, day after the season and, like, Thanksgiving-ish. <laughs> I think I think they're going to have to make some decisions. And I think we're really going to find out where the ownership group's mind is. They uh, Downtown Stadium is obviously probably one for them. But I don't think you can get that with the product they currently have on the field. I think there has to be... Because they haven't even gone to a boat yet. If, if they want to strip it down after the boat, I... I what, what are we going to do? Can't stop that. But... I don't think they can get the vote results they need for a publicly funded stadium with the team where they are now. And so things have to change in order to get to that priority. And so I I, I will find out a lot. And, I, and it's not going to be that long. I mean, it seems like a long time, but six months is nothing. And I think we'll know pretty soon.
0: Yeah, I guess I think a lot of it does kind of hinge on... How soon that vote does come up? How you know how quickly they right. put down a proposal together? I kind of wonder if they, if he just kind of leaves management in place and makes a bit of a splurge in free agency, and so he can basically say, "Well, I gave you all the tools, Dayton Moore, yeah, and get you know that'll get people excited about the team and Hey, look, we're investing money in the team, um, and 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 then you know if if he fails at that point, well, we we tried and we need to go in a different direction, but you no, will see. Good point. Yeah. yeah, so let's say John Sherman, you know, you do, do, do talk to him, and he says, you know, look, David, you're right. Um, I, it's time for us to go in a different direction. We can clean house. What are some names, you know, front office, manager? Are there, I know there's some names you've considered, pitching coach, definitely some names you consider there. Who yeah. Who are you kind of looking at as, as guys, or what you, What are you, What you? kind of skills and skill sets are you looking for to uh, replace some of the people that are in charge now?
3: Well, I mean, truly, I would rate the Brewers. <laughs> I would just say... <laughs> Anybody on the Brewers who wants a step up in their title, come on over. <laughs> here's here's a, a million more than you were making before, or five hundred, whatever the number needs to be. It doesn't matter. Um, so with that, I'd say you know Matt Arnold, he's their uh, assistant uh, assistant GM. Yeah, come on over. You know I, I could see him going to Cleveland, um, and you might say um, you know, Mike Chernoff. You're the president. Now I I could see him going back to that organization, but I I don't know. I mean I think I don't think it ultimately. There's not there's so many good choices that you know it's easy to spot the wrong choice. I feel like, but I mean I think that if you any organization, the Rays, the Brewers, these these organizations that have done it, um, I I would I'd I'd pick everything I can from them. I've said for I'm not the only one. I've said for years, whoever develops the Rays pitching. You have $10 million a year. <laughs> you yeah. know how much money you're going to give on free agency? <laughs> just, just do it. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't know why teams don't do that. I think that might be the next frontier in, in development. But So, yeah, any of those guys, You know, if you're looking at managers, personally, I mean, I've always loved Pedro Grummel. I, I think that he deserved the job when Matheny got it. Um, which, by the way, I know I've said this before, but I, I keep coming back to Matheny not getting extension when he had one year left on his deal. They picked up the option, and that's very different, because if they really, really, really believed in him, he'd have a three-year contract right now. That's my thought. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm off here. Maybe it's just not the way they operate, but I feel like that says something. And so, you
1: know, he'd
3: be the guy I look at, but there's also, again, look at the the, the Rays, Matt Potraro. Um I, I mean, I'm sort of rooting against that because that's hard to say, but you know, it, it's I think, he'd, I think he'd be a good fit. I think you can look at maybe, like, Sandy Alomar. If you, again, you want to go back to Cleveland. So, uh, there, so there's, there's a lot of options out there. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd bring back Everett Teeford to be the pitching coach. Uh, he is – everybody I talk to in the game is just amazed at the way he's able to help pitchers develop new pitches. <laughs> and it's – it, it, if you look at the organizations that are doing well in pitching, what do they do? They always are able to give a guy a new tool and, you know, go back to the Brewers. That That's if you want to go to Steve Carsey, who's their bullpen coach. I think he still is. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy who helps these pitchers. Um, you know, the Yankees are always getting, always getting these guys up and you go, well, what is that pitch? Oh, we worked on it in our lab and, <laughs> and the Brewers have that pitching lab that you know, the Royals are working on and a, yeah, you know, I, I heard uh, Alec on, on with siren on Tuesday, I think it was, and he said that oh it's two years away, a year or two. Well, that's not soon enough. I mean, why why are you so far behind these other teams? And yeah, so I mean that's ultimately I don't I don't really know who the best choices are, but I, I think it's smart. You look at the good organizations, smart organizations, and you go from there. I mean, they're clearly doing something right. Find their smart people and make them endorse. And I think it's that
0: simple. Yeah, clearly a lot of talented people out there that um, could make a difference. And, you know, even if there wasn't, I mean, I don't think that should prevent you from from getting, you know, you know taking out people, you know, removing people that aren't getting the job done. So let's we'll see if the, the Royals end up making any moves this year. Uh, I don't expect anything this summer, but we'll see. Maybe they reassess at the end of the year. We'll see how they kind of close out the season. I, you know,
3: I, I, I think the only move they'll make in season, if they do make a move, is Cal Eldred. Um, and in, in a way them doing it will almost make me respect them less, <laughs> because <laughs> I don't feel like they'll want to do it, it'll be succumbing to public pressure um, it'll be the right move, but I'm like just don't, stick to your, if you're going to do it, stick to your guns, you know, right. but I, I I could see that coming at the break, I mean, especially or maybe even the way the pitching has been going lately, I mean at some point, you've got to look at that and go, I, even if I don't believe he's wrong, they you have to find a change, and I I don't I don't know how he lasts, but he I didn't know how he lasted a couple of years ago. And here we are, still talking about it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, this losing—if there's an upside—is that we've gotten some really inspired writing. I think from yourself, Matthew Lamar, Alex Duvall at Royals Farm Report, uh, Craig Brown. I think you guys have all. It, Alec Lewis has had some really great pieces that have been, I think, fairly critical yeah. uh, of the team lately. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I you know, I guess it's, that's, there's been some good stuff to read. Uh, and we'll definitely keep checking out your stuff at uh, Inside uh, the Crown and uh, and of course at Royals Review as well. But uh, David, thanks so much for for joining us.
3: Absolutely, thanks for having me.
0: And we're back with Matthew and Colin. And uh, Matthew, uh, you know Vinny Pascantino has been the guy that everyone wants to see in Kansas City. He just continues to tear up AAA. If you had to put your best guess on when he's in Kansas City, what would you say? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I even if you had asked me this last week, I would have had an answer. I know this is not a satisfactory answer, but this is the honest to god truth. I have no idea. I
0: truly have no idea. What's keeping him like, in Omaha, really? What do you think is at the, 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 the base of it?
2: I don't know. I I, I don't know. Like I, I truly don't know. I would if I were to guess, I would say, if thinking in terms of the Royals' logic, I I think it's they uh, It's it's Carlos Santana based. They basically see. Pasquantino's spot being the same on their big league roster as Carlos Santana. And so, therefore, as long as Carlos Santana is there, then he Pasquantino is not going to be there. And I think that's really how the, the simple part of it is, is that really? Um, and so, when Santana leaves, we'll see if this is true, but when Santana leaves, um then we may then we will most likely see Vinny just slide in to take his spot. But that of course gets into why is Carlos Santana still playing, which is its own, you know, question, you know, <laughs> I don't know, you know, there's there's that. And then there's the fact that the Royals could fit Vinny Pasquantino in to the lineup without, you know, really dealing with Santana. It's not like they have a whole bunch of, you know, all-stars on their team like they could fit him in um but they but you know that's a separate issue so ultimately when it comes down to it it's uh he's it's, it's santana is blocking pascantino and that's the end of it
0: yeah i think both of you are right i think it's a carlos santana thing where like they see they think he's hitting the ball hard just right out people and he's going to turn it on i mean mike Matheny said it we know what he can do he believes his vet, his veterans Dean Moore believes in his veterans. He thinks they're gonna he's going to turn it on. Or he's just a, you know doesn't want to cut him because he's afraid that free agents won't want to sign here because it might get cut. I don't know, whatever. But it's a Carlos Santana thing when it should be of an NPS Contino thing. Like, call him up when he's ready. And I know they said, well, we want 500 plate appearances from him. But what's he learning in AAA right now? He's absolutely making a mockery of that league. You know, he needs to be challenged. He needs to be challenged by big league pitchers. And look, I think he, could, he might struggle when he comes to the big leagues. There's a very good chance he's not going to be hit at all. Um, you know, But he needs to be challenged because he is not being challenged right now. And, you know, I think it was Alec Lewis made a really good point in his recent article about kind of questioning this decision, why they're keeping him down there. It's like, also, like, don't you want him to be working with Keone Dorena and Alex Zumwalt, uh, who are these, like, gurus that are great with developing these hitters? Um, you know, it seems like now is a good time to get all those young prospects under the wings of these two hitting instructors that you have a lot of trust and faith in Mike Tozar as well um so I don't see why you keep him in Omaha I don't know what he can learn from picking what can be gained at this point by keeping him there uh, Colin if you had to give an estimate on when you thought Vinny Pasquino, Pascuino would make his major league debut what what are you looking at
1: I'll go with early August I think if the Royals have not traded uh, Santana at the trade deadline, they'll probably, hopefully, decide it's time to cut bait. I don't see Carlos Santana getting any better by that time. I see him, if anything, getting worse, which is saying something because he's pretty bad right now. So, at that point in time, they won't have to eat as much money left on his deal as they would if they cut him right now, two months out. So, yeah, if they if they can't trade him, uh, they, they'll hopefully just you know realize okay we're so many games out this isn't making sense let's see what the kid can do uh carlos thank you for your contributions we're gonna give you a release and maybe you can go sign with a contender if one of them wants you so i'll go with early august on that
0: i'm gonna be optimistic and say that he when he hits his 500 plate appearances in double and triple a which should be in about three weeks i think he'll come up so end of june um, and I think by then they'll—if Carlos Santana hasn't gone on a hot streak—they'll—they'll they'll be like, okay, well that's half a year now. We can cut bait with him. But if Carlos Santana gets hot, well, all bets are off at that point. Uh, let's wrap things up with our Royals review reviews. Matthew, what do you have for us this week?
2: Yeah, so I'm gonna go with something um, that is um, a little um, bit—it's—it's a little bit light, lighter, a little bit up uh, Jeremy's alley. Actually, I think he recommended an anime. I don't know, last month or something. Um, So, the so, Crunchyroll, which is the anime's uh, most well-known streaming service. Um, Sony uh, bought uh, both Crunchyroll and Funimation, which is the other big one, and basically combined them into one. Um, so if you've ever been like interested in checking out some um, anime, um, and there are some sports anime out there, uh, and, and there's a there's a well-known uh, volleyball one and a basketball one that are that I hear are pretty good, um, but this is going. to this is going to be as far away from the Royals as possible. Cause I wouldn't want to think about the Royals uh, any more than I have to personally. Um, and so this, uh, this anime is called love is war. And the, the premise of it is that you have um, in this very prestigious high school, you have uh, the, the school um, council president and the school council vice presidents um, like each other, but they are very, uh, prideful about it and the whole show is about them trying to get the other one to confess their, their love for each other and the reason why I'm recommending it is it's just the funniest show I have just about ever seen and that includes anime and like real life it's it's so funny um, it's partly funny because um, the there's a narrator and the narrator is just like completely just off the rails um, and <laughs> And the the dub, which is which is what I watch, and if you're an anime regular person, maybe you think that that's crazy, but um, you know the the dub is just really excellent. It's just it's so funny. All the it's just so clever too. It's just really well written. Um, it's not you know lewd or anything. It's just just really sharp, funny comedy, and it's you know as far away from baseball as you can get. Um, it's just it's just really really good. And um, it's in its third season now, so that um, by the end of this season there will be 39 episodes um, to watch. that are half an hour long, 25 minutes. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just so
0: funny, and I can't, I can't wait for it to come out every week. You could, should have waited, waited for Jeremy for that. You could have gotten a response, but uh, well, we'll have to <laughs> ask him about that next time. Uh, Colin, what do
1: you have for us this week? Well, I would tell you about a couple of books that I've read lately, but uh, the past two books I read were really disappointing, which uh, doesn't happen to me very often, but uh, such is the case. Uh, so I'll go uh, with uh, some music. Uh, the, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Black Keys. They just had a new album drop not too long ago. Dropout. I think it's called Dropout Boogie. And uh, that was uh, that was a pretty fun. Listen, um, it's the first one uh, uh, they've got their uh, single Wild Child on there. So I've been listening to that a lot with my sons. It's just uh, overall a good rock album and uh, just, you know, kind of relax- well, relaxing to me. You know, rock might not be relaxing to everybody, but it's uh, been uh, fun to listen to that every so often. It's, uh, I didn't particularly enjoy their last album, but this one is much better and uh, I'm glad it came out when it did.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm a fan of the Black Keys as well. Maybe not a huge fan, but I do appreciate their music, so definitely have to check that out. Well, uh, that'll do it for our show this week. Uh, Thanks for David Lesky for being on, and then thanks for Matthew and Colin for joining us as well. And uh, thank you for listening, and from everyone at Royals Review Radio, we'll talk to you next time.